What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, who doesn't have a gambling problem, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. I certainly don't have a gambling problem. You know, I kind of like $5 bets. You know, just something to make it competitive, social. That's big for a guy like you. Yeah, yeah, but you, you got to have cash. See, I got issues with guys like you that'll throw down bets but not have any money to pay up their bets. What are your th- Didn't you just pay me $1 in uh, Venmo for the, the hook toss game at uh, Midway last week? Yeah, I paid you three separate dollars because, one, I ran out of cash. You took my cash earlier. And sure. then I Venmoed you $3 to make a point that it's possible to pay your bets up immediately even if you don't have cash. I usually, I, I, I will pay my bets. I might not do it, like, you know, immediately, but it, it'll, it'll get done. In, in, in the real world, Graham, that'll get you offed. Fortunately. Uh, lucky, lucky for <laughs> us, we don't live in the quote-unquote real world when it comes to major gambling, like one Calvin Ridley, Adam. Yeah, man, that was, that was a wild story that came out this week. We actually have a few stories popping out in Atlanta sports this week, which is a, a nice change of pace. I was... I was just happy that anything was going on in the news that mentioned Atlanta. This wasn't the best yeah, of news, we, but hey, it's it's news. Yeah. It's news nonetheless. I mean, I know we've been a little infrequent with our episodes recently, but it's just been like, how many more times can we say the Hawks are, you know, a mediocre mess that can sometimes perform, um, you know, with the best teams in the league and also play down to with some of the worst teams in the league so many times? I mean, it happened again recently. You know, we lost Detroit uh, a couple of days ago. And how many how many times can we say that? How many times can we say that baseball is screwed, which they still are, as of today, March 9th, twenty two. Um, you know, so it was at least refreshing in the sense that uh, you know something happened with the Falcons that was notable, even if it's the last thing we want to see. Yeah, I mean, you you want to break down the whole news story for people who maybe haven't heard, Graham. Yes, uh, if you've been living under a rock or you just use this show as your only source of sports news, which if you do, I feel really sorry for you. Um, you- <laughs> Calvin Ridley was found out by the NFL to be gambling uh, in a series of games in the NFL last year when he was um, when he was off for mental health issues. He was still getting paid by the team, but decided to gamble, which is against the rules in the NFL as a player even though the NFL has partnered with tons of betting services, as we know, DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL and the NBA and so many other leagues. Um, but if you're a player, you can't do that. And um, we'll, we'll talk about why that's not such a hypocritical take in a little bit. But, uh, God, Calvin really has been suspended for, for a whole season, Adam, for doing like a three- or five-game parlay or something uh, when he was not with the Falcons as an active player. So that's that's the big news, everyone. Yeah. As you mentioned, I'm not addicted to gambling, but I, I've heard that parlays that big are kind of sucker bets. Yeah, because like, you have to hit on every single one of those picks to get any money. If Even if you win four, if it's a five-game parlay and you lose, or you win four out of five, you still lose. Yeah. And he loses big time because now he's going to be losing out on $11 million for that $1,500 bet. So those yeah. odds weren't great, Graham. 
And it bri- no, they weren't great, and it's also really stupid. He apparently used the uh, he was in Florida when he placed the bet, so it's legal to bet in Florida. Um, obviously, it's still illegal anywhere as an NFL player to do it. But they were able to trace it back to his account, and it came out, I think, on Monday of this week that, yeah, Calvin really was gambling on games when he wasn't playing. Um, he apparently bet on the Falcons to win, at least. But um, the reason why, for those of you that might, might be talking about, oh, well, what's the big deal? There's gambling, you know, NFL is partnered with DraftKings and FanDuel and all this shit. It's like, yeah, but that's for schmucks like us. You know, if you're a player and you're, and you're gambling – that's affecting the integrity of the game. You know, even if you're not playing in the game, um, you know, you still have connections with players on either side. You could say, hey, drop a pass for me. I, I put $1,500 up for us to, um, you know, to lose this week or for, I'm just using hypotheticals, for us to lose or I placed a prop bet on, Kyle, I placed a prop bet on you to get, you know, over four and a half catches. So, you know, if you get a chance to get a fifth, just drop it. You know, it, it, it could be taken any sort of way. And I totally understand why there are rules against players uh, gambling because it could absolutely destroy the outcome of a game potentially. Uh, who knows, right? So it was an incredibly stupid move by Calvin. And it's also just really brings to light um, this whole mental health thing that he took pretty much the entire season off outside of like four or five games. Um, it pisses me off as a fan, honestly, that you're going to be sitting there saying you need to check out for mental health reasons, but you're just betting on games. Maybe he does have a mental health problem. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know? It's, it's just asinine. Yeah, I mean, the question is, is a gambling problem part of the mental health issue? I, de- yeah, I kind of doubt it. Was exacerbated it, by that. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what was frustrating to me about all of this is, like, the tweets he did afterwards. Oh, yeah, we're totally ridiculous. And leading up to it. So, like, all like the last four or five months, I feel like, for the most part, the fan base has been really respectful of just, like, assuming that he had something major going on that he needed to work through. And, you know, the press was really respectful of him at the same time. And But we get zero intel on anything that could possibly be happening. And then, like... Right, which I think is fair. Which is fine. Right? But then, like, the first things we yeah. get are, like, cryptic like emojis of like laughing crying and then like i can't remember all of his tweets off the top of my head but it's like i got them all right here for oh, you please Adam. please read them out uh this is an order i bet 1500 total i don't have a gambling problem i couldn't even watch football at that point just gonna be more healthy when i come back i know i was wrong but i'm getting one year lol if you know me you know my character yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So that that's all we get from him. I feel like he owes more to the fans at this point. But, you know, I was pissed as a fan also just because I was like, oh, well, there goes his trade value. There goes his trade value. I was counting on a, for, a number one pick for him. This was the last year of his deal. Um, and I guess the silver line in here um, is that his salary for his last season, his contract will not count against the Falcons' salary cap. The Falcons get that money back, so it's like a, like a little over eleven million dollars um, for this year, according to the Athletic. The Falcons were seven million dollars over the cap before this news broke, so the Falcons are officially under the cap again. 
which is big for such a cap-strapped team like the Falcons. However, your wide receiver depth is so we know it's bad, but it's even worse, Adam, than it was last year because guess who's not under contract? Guess who's a free agent? Adam? Russell Gage. Russell Gage. So now your number one receiver is Olamide Zacchaeus, or boy. Nice. Um, Frank Darby's your number two. Christian Blake might be your number three. Then you got a guy, Brandon, Braden Linnaeus. Um, he's up there, too. So the Falcons, it's fascinating to just think about, uh, what was it, last year when the draft happened, the 2021 draft, when we drafted Pitts, it was like, I mean, we kind of thought Julio might be out of town, but, you know, in the hypothetical world, you think, maybe he's not. What if you had this, this, this freak unicorn, Kyle Pitts, got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? Even if you do have offensive line problems, one of those guys is going to get open pretty fast and be able to tear up the opposing defense, if not multiple of them. So um, now we got nothing. we got nothing but Kyle Pitts. And um, even though he had a good season last year, he needs help. We don't, we don't have a true number one receiver, and you have a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made um, in the draft and free agency in order to bolster not only the receiving core, but the offensive line, and more importantly, the defensive line. I mean, th- this team it just continues to take blow after blow after blow um, in terms of how the roster has been constructed. And um, it just, it just continues now with this Calvin Ridley news. Yeah. Poor Terry Fontenot. He's inherited a mess and it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's gotten worse, but uh, this was very unexpected. Like you, Calvin was a guy we were counting on last year. I think we probably make the playoffs if we have, a mentally healthy Calvin Ridley all year. Potentially. Um, and, yeah, we, we saved that cap space this year, but as I was saying, like, we still have to pay him next year. Like, that contract just gets pushed a year. Oh, no. He doesn't – we don't have to pay yeah, him. Yeah, bro. I don't think. Yeah, we do. I'm, he won't count against the cap in 2022. Yes. The, we know that. The, this – yeah, but next year it, – it, Oh, we would owe it in 2023? It just gets pushed a year. Oh, no. Yeah. That's awful. I didn't know that. Well, shit. Yeah, that's why it's like, it's really not that much of a silver lining. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's something for this year. But God, that sucks. Yeah, he's going to have zero trade value now. I thought this was the last year of his deal. No, sir. No, sir. Well, maybe we can still trade him next year. And uh, no one's going to trade him for him this year with that, you know, him being out for a season. So maybe we can trade him. Maybe we can trade him next year. You're not going to get a first for him. That's for sure. Maybe you can get a third or fourth. That's really all we can hope for. I do not want him back. Let's just be clear about that. At least from my standpoint, 2023, no. There, there was a, you, you literally just fucked, you fucked the team. There's, there's a great video because you know how like all the times Calvin Ridley would like have a guaranteed first down and then run backwards like three or four yards? Yeah, or go sideways. Yeah, the, the, that would be the time when people were like, oh, Maybe he was betting uh, against the Falcons those games. It's like that. that and that's the thing that I'm curious about is does he have a gambling history uh, of gambling on games in the NFL? Who knows? Like maybe it was just a one time on board thing. But I don't know. This story could. I, I bet the story gets bigger than it is now. I mean, it's already huge. Yeah. But I bet more details come out. And we, we do learn some of that history, but like that that is the key to the problem is that if you bet on sports, it puts doubt in the fans. And if the fans don't trust 
that the players are like 100% trying to push their teams to victory, it's a problem. Counter argument yeah. is what's wrong with betting on your team winning? You know, that's like a thing in boxing that's done all the time. What's wrong with betting right. on yourself? Like you're just going to push harder. Um, so that's why I can see the argument for like a year is extreme, especially when compared to some of the heinous off the field incidents that happen all the time in the NFL that get you three, four games. Oh yeah. You think about Greg Hardy, right? Throwing his uh, girlfriend on a pile of automatic rifles and beating her. Um, Ray Rice. Ray Rice, even though he was blacklisted from the NFL initially before that video came out, only got two games for cold cocking his uh, fiance. Um, you know, the list goes on. Uh, Dante Stallworth kills a guy with a DUI, but I think he played after that. So, yeah, the NFL is fucked up in terms of how it hands out discipline, I think, for specific uh, crimes and misdemeanors. Yeah, but I, th- or I, think, I think he's rule breaking against. Um, you know the league, which I guess gambling, you know, is it's just it is it is screwed up. I think in terms of like your suspension for for uh, gambling, but you know you 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 beat your girlfriend, you, four game suspension or whatever. Yeah, on paper it doesn't look great, but I understand why you have to do it. You kind of have to make an example out of him as well, and there should be a clear line between the DraftKings stuff being advertisers to fans like schlubs like us versus the players who you know that is just drilled down and like all their internal stuff that you can't do it there's signs posted everywhere in the locker room you can't do it so it's not like he didn't know that wasn't okay so that's why you have to come down so hard on it should be fully aware but uh Um, yeah it's a blow Graham. it's a blow and uh huge you know i mean that there's so many decisions yet to be made for the roster it's like you can't look at an nfl roster Right now, I wasn't expecting Calvin Ridley to be a part of this team, anyways, this year. So, in terms of this year, it does help. We got a little more wiggle room for maybe bringing Patterson back, give that money to Corderell this year. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Or you try to go out and get a, you know, solid defensive end in free agency, maybe to complement a rookie pick if, if that's what you do. Um, it does give you a little wiggle room. But I think I was a little disheartened at him last week when the uh, Fontenot and Arthur Smith talked to the media before all this Calvin Ridley shit broke out, saying, like, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too. Like, we're trying to somewhat rebuild but be competitive. And I hate that shit. You need to do one or the other, and the salary cap's not going to really let you be as competitive as you want to be. So tear it down. The longer we wait to tear it down, the worse off we will be as a franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, you look back to 2007. That was the last time we were, like, truly an atrocious football team with Joey Harrington as our quarterback. And it led to some of the best years of Atlanta Falcons football ever. So while that year was very painful, and I have many terrible memories of it, if done right, it can get you to the – promised land well almost to the promised right land. i mean that, but also you yeah. also look at franchises like the lions who tank every single year and never put it together so right. it's not black and white if you tank you will be great like you have to make the right decisions you have to hit on draft picks you have to be totally wise with your finances like i'm sure it can be done kind of like in the middle like we're trying to do but i i would still feel better if 
if we kind of took advantage of this crazy quarterback market that we've seen the last two days with Russell Wilson being traded, with Aaron Rodgers resigning with the Packers, there's going to be teams out there desperate that were like thinking that they could get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers that all of a sudden Matt Ryan's looking really good. And maybe they'll take right. on well, more it's of that frustrating. Money. It's frustrating to me about the Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz was also traded today to the uh, Commanders, Washington Commanders, um, from the Colts. And it's frustrating to me to see these deals happen and Matt Ryan not being moved. Um, you know, I, I looked at, you know, what, what, I mean, forget about Russell Wilson. I would still say Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. I mean, he was traded for two first-round picks, I think like a third-round pick and two fifth-round picks or something. Yeah, they're, they're, and like two or three other they're not even in the same realm right now, Graham. No, they're not. But I'm going to use a comparison, though, Adam. Obviously, Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, but Carson Wentz, yeah. Carson Wentz gets traded for two third-round picks. I think you could do better than that for Matt Ryan. And I would just like us to just rip the Band-Aid off and do it. And and with the quarterbacks being moved right now, um, really seeing Wentz being moved for that told me that Matt, we can get more for Matt Ryan. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who doesn't have chronic health issues, is consistently a better quarterback uh, than Wentz. So. Seattle needs a quarterback. Seattle needs a quarterback, but they're rebuilding. They don't want to take on that kind of deal. I think we need to start talking to Pittsburgh, if we haven't already, uh, with Roethlisberger retiring and saying, what are you going to give us for Matt Ryan? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh, that makes sense, Graham. Good call there. Uh, Tennessee, those Tennessee roots run deep, reunite Matt and Julio. I don't think think they believe in their hearts that Ryan Tannehill could win them a Super Bowl. Maybe not. I don't know. I I do see, though, I think – I can't think of another team other than Pittsburgh that has that big of a gap, though, for a team that's expected to at least contend that was a playoff team um, that doesn't have anyone at quarterback right now of note, you know? Yeah. So, I, I also, but I did appreciate, to sort of counter what I was saying earlier, I did at least appreciate that Fontenot said, and Smith said, you know, we're not committed to Matt being the quarterback this year. They didn't, like, explicitly say that, but they didn't, like, commit and saying, yeah, he's definitely the guy. 100%. He's our quarterback for 2022. Um, they're not Arthur Blanking it. Like they're, no, they're not Arthur Blanking it. They're always listening. But it's got to be it's got to be somewhat of a decent offer. Can't just trick tri- No, it's got to be you got to get at least you have to get multiple picks. Like I think if you get if if the if the market has been established as Carson Wentz, two third-round picks, you can get two second-round picks for Matt Ryan and maybe a, a fourth or fifth or something. Because you you got to think we're we're a three win team without Matt Ryan, if that. Oh yeah, we're terrible. We're 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 picking number one or two or three in the in the draft this year if we don't have Matt Ryan. Whereas at this moment in time with Matt Ryan, we might be the favorites in the NFC South. So that's that's tough to sell Possibly. to your fan base as well. That it is, but I mean the fan base has already been sold a bill of goods for years about this football team, and they've un- consistently underperformed. Last year they overperformed; they still weren't very good. So I would just, I mean, think about how it went with the Braves, right? When the Braves did their teardown in 2015, um, you know, it was painful. It sucked. You know, we, we had seen some teams the last four or five years that had competed. Some of those teams had gone to the playoffs, obviously didn't win a playoff round, but they, you know, were 90, 95 win teams. And then it was, you know, a lot of excitement during the season. Um, but they kept coming up short. And it was like, you know what? 
we had a horrible 2014. It's time to just kill this thing. And they killed it. And then seven years later, we won a championship. I'm not saying the same exact thing will happen to the Falcons. But if you make the right decisions and you stop pussyfooting around and sort of one foot in the fire, one in the cold kind of approach uh, that the Falcons seem to be doing right now, just put both feet in the fire, burn, you know, burn it down, man. Just do it. You're never going to win like this attitude. You know that that whole draft class from the Calvin Ridley year that the Falcons had. Thank you, Thomas mm-hmm. Dimitrov is now either out of the NFL or on a practice squad. I think Ito Smith is the only but, one that's still around. That's hilarious. There's so and many. That's too recent. That's too recent, Graham. It was the 2018 class. Yeah. Yeah. All those all those people I think are are out with the exception of Ridley and Ito Smith. But Ito Smith Unreal. is practice squad and. Ridley suspended all year. So, God. cool, cool, cool. Oh, Thomas, he talks a great game. He does. He looks great with his hair and his glasses and his vegan <laughs> diet and his silly ass Spiking. sports bike. But when you break him <laughs> down, he's not a great evaluator of of talent. With the exception of skill, he has drafted a lot of good skill position players and been and done a good job with that. But other than that, man, he's he really he really screwed this franchise. We were so close. It's all it's all been downhill since uh, twenty eight to three. And that's really it for the Falcons, Adam. Do you want to talk some baseball? Uh, sure. Like minor league baseball, spring training camp. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, just what's going on with the uh, uh, the MLB? Hey, if you can explain it, go for it. Let's hear it. So here's what's happened since the last time we talked to you guys. The MLB put, like I think, a deadline on February 28th to be when everything had to come together um, in terms of a new collective bargaining agreement being reached. They met for like 17 or 18 hours. I was sitting on Twitter refreshing it every like 30 minutes, um, hoping for good news. But, of course, they were at a stalemate. Um, And they canceled, I think, the first... uh, first two series of the year or something like that uh the owners did and then now it's gotten to the point where everyone thought they were kind of getting close today and yesterday but it came out today that um mlb has canceled the second week of games now and really what it comes down to adam is um there's a discrepancy in terms of how much money the owners want to get the players and how much money the players feel like they deserve um, so they want to increase this thing, the luxury tax, the CBT, which by doing so will mean that the luxury tax overall for payrolls will go up, meaning that it will incentivize teams to spend more um, because they won't be hitting the luxury tax at a lower threshold. So it will lead to bigger contracts for players. Um, you know, Baseball and the Players Association are millions of dollars apart on that. The um, the owners want a 14-team playoff. The players only want to have a 12-team playoff. Um, the other big thing that's come out today is the uh, owners want to have an international draft where basically, um, you know, there'd be a draft solely dedicated to players outside of um, North America. And the players don't want that because um, there won't be as much of a... Uh, 
sort of feeding frenzy for like you know Cuban def- uh, defectors. Like I remember Yasiel Puig came over to the Dodgers and signed a big deal from Cuba. Um, who was the guy on the the Braves, Adam? Um, Hector Oliveira. Hector Oliveira, uh, you know, signed a big deal because he didn't have to go through the draft. Um, that worked out well. Right. Yoan Moncanda of the uh, Chicago White Sox is another uh, example of this. And then there's another guy on the White Sox, Adam, uh, the first baseman, who's, who's really good. Abreu. Abreu, yes, yes. Um, so stories like that wouldn't happen. Those guys would have to be drafted if you did an international draft. And um, those players wouldn't earn as much money. Fernando Tatis Jr. has come out and said that would just ruin the dreams of a lot of uh, a lot of international uh, hopefuls like that. And then you have the whole thing where the players want to increase the um, basically how much money uh, young players, rookie players, pre-arbitration uh, players are making um, to like seven hundred fifty thousand. And the owners only want to do like six ninety thousand, something like that. It's it's like not that far away in terms of that agreement, but it's just it really just comes down to fucking money, as our friend Tony Soprano would say. So it's just a lot of it's a lot of bullshit to me. I'm kind of sick of both sides. Um, I get that the players think they deserve a little more money, but at the same time, the players have the greatest union in the world. You could suck, BJ Upton, like BJ Upton. You could suck have a $70 million contract, but the, the teams are still on the hook for that. I mean, that's how great the union is. Like, even if you get released, you still have to get your entire contract paid out. There's no union like that in the world other than the Players Association and Major League Baseball. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy for the players. I really don't have any sympathy for the owners. I think the negotiations have been handled really poorly in terms of, you know, they, they waited until the deadline to really get into serious negotiations about things. Um... And I think the owners have been sort of pushy and mean with how they've been giving out ultimatums. I mean, they even came out today and said, if we can get the season, you know, if we can get the agreement today, then those canceled games we canceled won't be canceled anymore. And it's like, everything's arbitrary. Everything's bullshit. Everyone's full of shit. And uh, I've had enough. I've had enough. And um, I'm, just, I'm frankly depressed and ashamed. That, that's my information about what's going on and my feelings on the matter. Sorry for going on for so long, Adam. Kudos to you, Graham. You really dove in there and you sounded very knowledgeable on the subject so i'm sure i'm not 100 percent right on everything but those are the main in terms of the figures but those are the things that they're far apart on right now yeah i mean i understand the general issue here is that major league baseball is making a lot more money than they used to and the players i.e the product on the field that brings in fans should get a bigger piece of the pie Sure. I get that. Like it, on paper, it doesn't look good to like be like, oh, mil- like haggling over millions of dollars. You're already millionaires. Who cares? Like you got to do it. It's a complicated, it's a complicated case, Graham. But like you said, yeah. the the issue is that they waited until like the very last minute to do this. They could have been doing this months ago. They could have been doing it last season, renegotiating. Like I'm sure yeah. there was something like something going on behind the scenes, but not serious like it is now. And, like, especially coming off, like, COVID, off that terrible COVID-shortened season and, like, keeping the fans around. And, like, it's just poor timing and it doesn't look good for baseball at all. Uh, Only thing that's really come out of it so far is bigger bases. You forgot to mention the bigger bases. Oh, yeah. They agreed to bigger bases 
destroying the shift, which I think is such a dumb idea. The shift will be banned. And there's some other rule that I also hated, and I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on the shift thing. Like, I understand that, yes, baseball could get, a, like, the, the home run strikeout thing I don't like, that those are the two yeah. results. And a lot of that is because of defensive shifting. But also, like, it's what the game is now. Like, it's evolved. Like, you can't. Yeah, and I think the shift, if you don't have the shift, the Braves don't win the World Series last year. Point blank. Well, yeah, I mean, they adjusted to the rest of the league. Yeah, but I mean, us doing that, we became one of the best run preventing. We already had a good defense, but we were actually, like, preventing a shit ton more runs. We talked about it on the show at some point last year. I don't have the stats in front of me. But we, we you know, went from, like, 25th or something in uh, saving runs to, like, 7th or 8th or top 10. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, in, in general, I think banning anything because it's not the way it used to be... It's dumb. It's problematic. Yeah, it's, it's regressive and, and short-minded. And there's also a pitch clock they want to implement. I don't really hate the idea of a pitch clock, but I would say... I think what it probably should be is a batter's only allowed to step out of the batter's box once in at bat, um, and they can only call time once in at bat. Just do that, and at bats will speed up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, but here's the other thing: like people who like baseball appreciate it for the long drawn out process that it is. Oh yeah, I should sure like do. the inner workings of it. Like you're not going to attract like a bunch of 14-year-old TikTokers to Major League Baseball games because you shaved off 15 minutes from a three and a half hour game. Yeah. Like you're kind of you're kind of trying to cater to these TikTokers where it's the guys like us and a lot older than us as well and ladies, of course, that have always appreciated baseball for what it is and have a like a long time love for it like i don't know how you attract new fans but i don't think shaving off 10 minutes of a game and adding in annoying little things um like pitch clocks is the answer yeah how about you promote your stars how about you promote mike trout how about you promote shohei otani who's one of the best athletes of the last 25 years who's a you know a top shelf pitcher and a top shelf hitter like he should be in commercials everywhere. Yeah, that that it's is weird. That is a weird Ronald thing. Acuna. Like you don't see that much. You see a couple of things, but you know, in terms of like the national spotlight, you could go up to ten random people, ask them, and show pictures of Mark McGuire and a picture of uh, Shohei Otani. Every I, I would guarantee, eight out of ten random people would know McGuire, and maybe three, two people would know Otani. Well, that's like part of how they, because the the last big strike was '94, and right. a lot of people still haven't come back from it. And then Bud Selig was like all chill on the steroids thing, to like induce that like, just nationwide spectacle that was the '98 home run chase, and they promoted the hell out of those guys, and uh, yeah. it did it did make a lot of baseball fans lifelong. Oh, so oh, sure. maybe we just need to get steroids back in the game for real. Maybe I don't I don't know. Although everyone's like everyone's kind of sick of home runs, you know. I am. I think anyways. baseball is just digging its own grave, um, and it has been for years. We talked about it on the last show. It's the most unpopular of uh, the, of the three major sports: NFL, NBA, baseball. Is is like almost becoming NHL 
irrelevant in terms of the national spotlight. And I, I don't mean that as disrespect to the NHL. But you look at the ratings, it's it's NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and NHL and MLB are a lot closer together than uh, NFL and NBA are close together. So, um, and, and with this shit still going on, it's only going to get worse. And and let's let's remind everybody too: the '94 uh, shortened season was a strike. This is a lockout. The play the owners have locked out the players. Um, in the uh, uh, you know the way they have started doing this, um, I think automatically put a sour taste in the players' mouths because they're locked out. I feel like the the owners have sort of come from everything in a very hostile manner: ultimatums, deadlines, lockout. Um, well, at the same time, I still have a lot of issues with the players. It's just a sad situation. Who knows if we'll even get baseball at this point, which is why I like to announce that uh, I've received a uh, very late Christmas present from my uh, my in-laws, the collector's edition of the 2021 World Series. And it has a, a documentary on it, um, which Adam and I are very excited to watch. And we're thinking about watching it and then doing like an auto, audio commentary podcast if uh, of the documentary if uh, if baseball doesn't start at some point because we miss it so much. Yeah, that that'll really make people feel better over not having actual Major League Baseball. Well, the well, then Adam, they can you can buy the Blu-ray and 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 sync up the documentary with our podcast and have have a couple of beers or liquor drinks and hang out. Uh, you know. It's something. <laughs> I guess, Graham. I, I'm not even buying that, and I'm part of this podcast. <laughs> I no, it's, a wa- desperate, it's a desperate attempt. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, I, w- I would rather watch the real thing. I mean, it would it, be like 2020 all over again when we were just... I mean, it, it, it's the same thing when we're just waiting on, is baseball going to come back? Is baseball coming back? I think right. it will come back at some point. I mean, Yeah, it, it, it'll it come back pro- at some point. It is promising there's so much back and forth going on right now, and players say the league seems more genuinely motivated to get a deal done. Yeah, but the problem is it's like this is a repeat of last week. It was like we got really close and then nothing. And then everybody hates each other the next day. And the well, same yes. thing happened today. They got really close last night. They met for 18 hours. Now everybody hates each other again. Um, and nothing it, happened today. Absolutely. So don't it. don't get your hopes up. That's what, like just it'll it'll happen when it happens. Like I, I don't I don't think there's much value to following it too closely. Even like, uh, what's his face? Is it Jeff pa- Passan? Passan? Jeff Passan, Bob Nightingale, Evan Drellich. These guys are get constantly giving updates. John Heyman. Yeah, I, I saw Passan with an, an update, just saying like, "Go to bed." Like, yeah, don't don't stay up refreshing Twitter, expecting anything to get done tonight. Yeah, after the February twenty eighth debacle, I, I learned not to pay attention too much. I still check, but I don't check nearly as often as I used to. Yep. So that's well, um, baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. In light of this depressing news, let's uh, let's take a break and have hear a nice word from our friends from uh, DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Guys, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. 
all the college basketball tournaments, excuse me, conference tournaments are going on right now. ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big East, Pac-12, whatever, man. They're all happening right now. It's all leading up to the big dance. Uh, They're going on through Sunday. DraftKings has a ton of contests for all of these conference tournaments. They're going to have a ton of stuff for the for uh, the NCAA tournament. So uh, if you're if you're looking to make some money on college basketball, uh, now's the time to, to to jump in before the big dance starts. Uh, this is the week to do it. Uh, everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round. And who will hit the most three pointers? Then track your results. So here's what you got to do download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Adam. Let's say the same show we've been saying about the Hawks for the last three months. I'm so tired of this team. I, I I don't even want to talk about it, Adam. It's so it's just depressing. You you beat Chicago. You beat Chicago, one thirty to one twenty four. You play your asses off in that game at home with a win against the number two seed in the East. And then you turn around and you lose to Detroit, who's seventeen and forty seven, well out of the playoff picture, in overtime. Trey Young has like the worst game of his life. Um, I, I and everybody else didn't play well either, for the most part. But I, uh, you know, this is like what I said. Put 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 the nail in the coffin on this team. They are not consistent enough to do anything worthwhile this season. That Detroit game was just so depressing. It it was the first time I've got like truly invested and upset at the end of a game. Like the end of the game was just absurd with both teams missing free throws left and right. Bogey with one of the more atrocious fouls you'll ever see when we were up one with like two seconds to go that put them at the free, the free throw line. And then John yeah. Collins misses two. Somehow they have an even more atrocious foul. And then John Collins can't hit two free throws that would have won the game for us. And like it, it just comes back to like what Trey's been saying all year is like, oh, we, we just have a hard time getting up against these lower, lesser opponents. Like we're not good at, and and that is the mentality that screws this team. And what you and I haven't really talked about much this year, and I think at this point it is, it's got to be one of the obviously we have defensive issues left and right, and a big part of that, big part of defense is communication. And the communication isn't there. Like, I, I was watching on one of the uglier plays where Bogey, like, physically pushed Clint Capella out to the perimeter, and then, like, a bad shot was put up, and then, like, Bogey doesn't box out. They get the offensive rebound, ends up being an and one. And it's just, like, poor communication left and right. And it comes down to not having some of these guys like Solomon Hill. Like, people, people like to shit on him, but he was loud as hell. And we just have a bunch of quiet teams, quiet young guys on this team right now. And, uh, like, our, our veterans, like Gallinari, he's awful defensively as well. And, like... And so is Lou. And Lou, yeah. So it's... You don't have that vocal veteran that's going to show you how to play defense and, like, keep 
people in line out there. And the transition D is terrible, like historically bad. And a, a big part of that is that like your worst defender, Trey, is always like the first line of defense on a fast break. And obviously we're not going to win that, but there's got to be ways to scheme around it. And it, it is frustrating, Graham, because like, every other game we'll be like, oh, maybe this this is the team from last year. But brass tacks. It, it, yeah. I mean, even that, that even that Bulls game, you had to score 130 to win it. You gave up 124 points for Christ's sake. It still wasn't like good defense. It was just a gutsy offensive effort, uh, particularly by DeAndre Hunter. It seems to be sort of breaking out of his uh, slump he'd been going through. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 drained when I talk about this team. There's really, I I have zero, like I said about a month ago. This team is 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 they're not dead to me. I still love the Hawks. I still want to try and get to a game or two before <laughs> the season's over. Um, but I have just zero, zero aspirations for this team. It's just so frustrating. And if they make the playoffs, which I assume they will, um, it's not going to matter. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I, they're not consistent to play well in a best of seven series as, as they, they will lose in the first round. Likely. Who knows? Yeah, if they win the play-in game, they will they will lose in the in the first round and get their butts. In kicked. your opinion, and they, and they shouldn't. And in my opinion, yeah. yes, this is just my opinion. I'll, let me preface that. This is my opinion. I think that uh, they're they're going nowhere fast, and uh, Travis Schlink's going to have to deconstruct this roster. He's going to really have to take a long, hard look at it and figure out. Obviously, you know Trey Young's here forever. But other than that. Everyone's a suspect in terms of who you keep. And I hate to say this, but I kind of include John Collins in that. Because you have to balance out the ability to score with the ability to defend. And that is something that Schlenk has not done as a general manager here. He's gone all in on the offense. You know, a lot of good offensive players. But defensively, it's a nightmare. And uh, you... Defense isn't at a premium like it used to be in the NBA, but you got to at least be top 15, top 10 um, defensive unit in order to win a championship. And this team is nowhere close to that. Here's an alternate take for you, Graham. Hmm. You know what else this team reminds me of a little bit? The Braves. Yeah, the whole not the- being able to get back to 500 thing. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, but if you want to compare seasons... Right, the Braves at this point in their season were starting to move a little bit. They were starting to get some momentum going. Every time the Hawks take a step forward, they take two steps back. They beat the Bulls, they beat the Suns, they lose to fucking Detroit. You know, it's like I don't know. Yeah, and they're—I mean—they're relatively healthy. John John Collins is back. Herder was missing in that Pistons game, which certainly wasn't helpful. But yeah, they, they. they they certainly need to do some retooling. Yes. Um, not rebuilding, retooling. No. And I think at the end of the day, like this team overachieved last year. They did. And pe- people just, I think the fans have just assumed that there's just like a natural progression. That like, I think we oh, all Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, you went to the Eastern Conference Finals. You're bringing everyone back. We're going to be a top four 
seed at least. But like that was like a huge jump last year. So like we're kind of still on track with where the rebuild should be. Like this this was still a rebuild. It's not necessarily rebuild over. So yeah, think- it's not like 2019 Braves where you were like, okay, we got the pieces now. This is a pretty. It's not, it's not like we have a. Club. It's not like we. It's not like we're the Rams last year with a bunch of veterans and going all in. You know, right. we, we still got a bunch of young guys. Like we're in the middle of a process. Um, you know, from this year, I think you'll, we'll probably, you know, trade a Capella, let Okongwu take over full time. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I still don't know about him. Like, like you said, he's looked better. He's had some energy back. He was really a little... big factor in that Bulls game. Like he, he was playing really hard on both sides of the ball. I remember he had, he, he missed two shot contested shots around the rim, got like three offensive boards and then was able to get it in. He had a huge dunk in that game. I think he dropped over 20 points and, and just, you know, that was the guy we needed to see. You know, that's the guy we've been waiting to see. Um, but he has to be, he has to be good. Like, if, yes, he has to be consistent. If, if he's a miss and Reddish is a miss, that's a massive setback. Yeah. We already know Reddish was a miss. Um, to us anyways. I mean, we get that first round pick, right? Right, but yeah, yeah, I think we need a fully healthy season from DeAndre Hunter before we can 100 percent evaluate him. Um, so I think this is only his second or third year in the league, and he's been injured a bunch. So if he can stay healthy the rest of the season, hopefully, you know, be able to go into training camp, work on the issues that he that he has, especially shooting the ball on a consistent clip, I think he'll have a much better season. Uh, next year, I think I think he's his ceiling's pretty high. We haven't seen as good as DeAndre Hunter can be yet, um, and we've seen him have plenty of good games, just at a consistent consistent level. Um, I love John. I don't want to lose John. I hated to to say what I just said, but I just, I think you really just got to take a hard look at everything and be like, where do we you know what can we afford to lose, and where do we need to um, you know gain some some momentum here, gain some pieces that can really bring out the best in these players. It doesn't have to be a guy who plays a shit ton of minutes or multiple guys. It just has to be, you have to change the locker room dynamic. You have to change the mentality of this team. It starts, the foundation of, I think, any sport starts mentally. And this team has a bad mentality and it has bled into every single facet of the team, of, of, of how they how they approach games, how they approach offensive possessions, defensive possessions. You can see that. When things are not going well, it goes back to mentality. You've got to bring people in here who can get the mentality back on track. Yeah, we, ne- we never got that just that bulldog that we were really hoping for at the trade deadline. And, you know, I think Schlenk probably realizes he made a mistake holding Pat. They, they had that, like, seven-game win streak, which was kind of like false promise. But, yeah, we needed, yeah, we needed somebody. I don't. I don't think we're many pieces away, but it's just not there right now. Yeah, Although, yeah. That's, that's the weird thing, right? Is that you know you look up and down the team, you're like there are a lot of good players here, and we've seen them play well, even this year many times. It's just there's something that's not working, and you got to figure out how to how to change the mentality of this this, this basketball club. I mean, it's like it's like we've always said about all these superstar teams. You can't just put good players together and have a team. Right, like, are players that are all good at one thing and suck at defense, which like outside of Capella, Hunter, um, Delon Wright, Delon Wright, 
it's like in a Kongwu, you know, no one else is really very good at defense and not even like those guys are like elite defenders or anything. So it's kind of like, you, you gotta balance the scales a little bit in addition to the mentality thing I keep talking about. On the plus side, Graham, we, we did just have a signing today. Oh, for the Hawks? Yeah. Who's that? We signed Jeff Teague. <laughs> oh, yeah, to be a scout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Does so, that make you feel old that Jeff Teague's, Teague's a scout now? Yeah, it is wild. We, I remember him getting drafted. We're like, oh, this guy out of wake. He's got some explosives. You know, oh, I watched him play in like four or five games a year, man. He's pretty good. Uh, I think he was yeah i'm sure i was at clemson when he was at wake so yeah we have that big connection me and jeff T. you guys are really good friends yep so well, well we'll see what these hawks do we know they're down 14 to the bucks at the half right now so that's not promising but you never know nope you never know they went from giving up 37 in the first to 31 in the second so that's progress I also just love every team against the the Hawks by the end of the first half scores at least like 65, 71 points. It's just like, God damn. When you see that every day, 68 points for the Bucks tonight at halftime, it's like, that's obscene. 50 points, 55 points, okay. Gets to 60, you got a problem. And yeah, that happens. Pretty much every damn game. It is weird because McMillan has always kind of been a defensive coach as well. Well, I think it's a lot to do with the pieces he has to work with, unfortunately. Yeah. Like when you're talking about those miscommunication issues, that's just like rampant. It's a lot of guys pointing at people, and by the time they're trying to communicate, the other team's already scored. (laughs) See where it goes, Graham. Yeah, that's all we can do at this point. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We hope you're having a uh, great day, week, month, year. And uh, we will see you when we see you. Maybe that'll be next week. Maybe that'll be uh, uh, the week after. Um, But we appreciate you all hanging out with us. Until we talk again, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality sip. Hospitality sip.